Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity, and Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. We are from Israel today. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, We're here for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the Middle East, a lot going on with Syria, a lot going on, and Israel has been our closest ally. We'll have the prime minister on the program tomorrow. We'll speak with other administrative officials and and some surrogates of the prime minister in the course of the next two days. But when you think of everything that's happened with North Korea, what do we learn with North Korea? We learned that once they have a nuclear weapon and they want to get ICBMs and you don't want them to have ICBM capability, then you've got yourself one hell of an issue of, well, what if they, in fact, launch short-range nuclear weapons? Or what if they take out South Korea? What if they take out Japan? Or what if they're willing to go scorched earth and and even take on China. Who knows? How do you possibly stop them from getting ICBM capability? So it's really about the world security, and I know the president is, in the next couple of weeks, going to be meeting 
with the Palestinian Authority leader, Abbas. You know, here's a guy that talks about, you know, bleeding out Israelis. Here's a guy that, you know, in his territories, if if you kill Israelis, you get a statute and your family gets money. And that's part of their laws. And I don't seem to think people get and understand that. Anyway, we'll get into all this today. Um, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to join us. Look, a lot of you are, are trying to get me and I guess want to hear from me about what has been going on at the Fox News Channel. And I really honestly and truly don't have any insight that I can offer you above and beyond that which is being reported. And you say, well, Hannity, how's that possible? You work there. You've been working there 21 and a half years. Well, the answer is I, I don't know the nature of the allegations. I'm not aware of whether they're true or not as it relates to Bill O'Reilly. Um, and here's something that probably will surprise a lot of you. I do most of my work every day across the street from the Fox News Channel. I've, I do have two offices. I have one at Fox. I have one at radio. And I do a lot of my preparation because I, I do radio first every day. I, I tend to just go into that office and do most of my work and conference call with my producers, and, and we get our show on the air and I don't pay a lot of attention to other people's hours because I like to get my hour the way I want to get it every night, and that is to put the best news and information uh, programming in the most entertaining way on the air for all of you. Um, So if you're asking, you know, do I have any particular insight as to what has happened? No, I don't know. I don't know the nature of all of this. I don't know the accuracy of the accusations. I don't know what was discovered in the investigation. Nobody ever talked to me. Uh, I maybe see Bill O'Reilly once a year, and we weren't particularly close in the time that we've been there. Our hours have always been very different, and we just, you know, I just don't see the guy. And maybe that surprises a lot of you, too. Um, He would tape his show earlier in the day, and... And for most of the years I've been at Fox, I do a live program. So what does it mean for the Fox News Channel? I, I, I don't know. I know that my show is not going to change. I know that I've read a lot online and even a New York Times reporter suggesting, well, this could be it for Hannity now. I mean, the actual statement, and I saw it in the Washington Examiner, you know, New York Times reporter, Sean Hannity could get caught up in Fox's house cleaning. I'm like, well, that's news to me if, in fact, I'm getting caught up in Fox's house cleaning because I have a contract that's pretty rock solid that takes me through December of 2020. There is a an environment that I think we do need to discuss, and that is the environment of it's like in politics. I've I've often argued we're criminalizing political differences. Um Now, that wouldn't be the case of Hillary when somebody genuinely, I believe, breaks the law and she has a private email server with top secret and special access information on it in a mom and pop shop closet uh, in a bathroom so she could avoid congressional oversight or that Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation, we end up she signs off giving up 20 percent of American uranium, which can be is the foundational use of making nuclear weapons to Russia. Yes, Russia while her husband gets twice his normal speaking fees and the Clinton Foundation ends up getting millions and millions of dollars with all these people associated and benefiting from that deal going through. So, yeah, I think that that's not an example of criminalizing political differences, but 
that goes on as well. Um, there is an environment, and I've told you about this for years, that all of us in radio and television work in now. And there's a reason all these years I've never supported boycotts. And I've been asked by many fellow conservatives over the years, and we want you to support our boycott. And my answer is always the same. It's no. And the answer is because boycotts, more often than not, are going to be used against conservatives. And it's a weapon that's used that if they can attack people's advertisers and financially a show takes a hit and is not as financially viable, then there is a, a greater likelihood that that voice of that individual can be silenced. Now, are there legitimate boycotts? I guess there are. Um, I don't participate in them because I believe at the end of the day, conservatives will be victimized by the use of them more often than liberals. So, but the environment is this, and just so you know and are keenly aware, I guess somebody wrote me that Glenn Beck said today, well, Hannity's next. Well, I mean, if it's true, um, whatever. I don't, it's news to me. I don't know where that's coming from or where the New York Times guy is coming from. But I do know politically there are lots of people on the left that would love to see me gone and love to have my voice silenced. And I have known this my entire career. And I have conducted myself accordingly with that full knowledge and and understanding. I have known for years and years on this program that there are people that are paid, literally paid, to monitor every word I say three hours a day, every day on radio, and monitor every word I say on the Fox News channel, and monitor every comment I make on any other show that I might happen to appear on. And I know what their hope is. Their hope and their prayer is that that I might say one word, one phrase, one sentence, make one sentiment that is deemed politically incorrect by them, and then they could use that as an ability to either A, attack my advertisers, or to B, just get me outright fired. And so that is, you know, does it stifle my freedom of speech? No, it really doesn't. There's nothing that I think that I want to say that I don't convey to you. You know, sometimes am I careful in choosing the right words to say and convey exactly what I want to say and convey to you? Yeah, I understand the nature of the environment that we're living in, but this it's kind of chilling. You know, how many years have I said on this program that for as much as I despise Bill Maher, Bill Maher in many ways is good for America. And you say, Hannity, how could you say that? I hate that guy. Because he kind of says anything he wants, and he gets away with it. And sometimes it shocks people, and sometimes it annoys people. But if he can get away with saying anything he wants, then I think conservatives can and should be allowed to say the things that they want. Now, if it relates to, to individual corporations and standards of behavior that they have uh, for their employees, you know, that that's a contractual issue between the employee and the employer. And most contracts that I, I have had in my, my career have had some kind of what is called a moral clause in there, certain behaviors, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel I have lived within the bounds of, of what my contracts have called for. So, Look, I'm just telling you all of this because, A, I don't have any more details to share. I don't know. I've not talked to Bill O'Reilly. I don't 
know him that well. I haven't seen him very often in the last 21 years. It's We were never really particularly close um, without giving a lot of details away. I mean, there's, there's nothing here. It's just I do my show, he does his show. That's basically what it came down to. And I had no feelings whatsoever anyway for him. Um, I think it's hard for anybody to go out like this. Um, does he deserve and will he at some point be given a platform to maybe give his side of the story? I guess he will be. And I think that's fair. And, and will he show up at another network at some point? I don't know. I, I actually probably tend to doubt it. But from my standpoint, I'm just I think it's important we all understand what's going on here, too. There is a battle, a conflict, and those of us that give news and information, and we're so separated from the left-wing, alt-left propaganda, destroy Trump media, there's nothing more than leftists would want to do than to silence every single, at least effective, conservative voice that they can. And I do believe you need to understand the environment that we work in every day, and that would be me. That would be anybody on the Fox News channel, frankly. That would be Mark Levin. Thank me. I'll say it. Nobody else will say it. That would be Rush Limbaugh. That would be Glenn Beck. That would be Laura Ingram. That would be uh, any of us that do this for a living. There is, it's a pretty chilling effect, actually. I take no joy, no happiness in any way, shape, matter, or form in other people either personal issues that they may have or public firings they may go through or whatever happens to be the case. But I I wish I had information for you. I don't. I'm in the Fox building maybe an hour and a half a day. I work across the street with my radio crew every single day. That's where I do the majority of my prep work, a majority of my writing, a majority of my booking, a majority of producing. And so I just don't know the answer to it. I am more, I can only tell you I am extremely happy to be staying in my time slot where I wanted to stay and that I will, as long as I have this microphone on radio and that platform on television, nothing changes for me. I'm not changing who I am. I'm not changing my viewpoints. And I feel honored and blessed to have had 30 years in radio, 21 and a half years of Fox, and I fully anticipate to go as long as you will have me. So that's about it. I wish I could add more, you know, more information for you, but I don't have it. And I know people are a little surprised. Well, why don't you have it? You need to have it. You're an insider. I'm not. I'm an insider. I'm kind of an island to myself if you really want to know. This. All right, as we continue from 102 FM in Tel Aviv, we will be meeting with the prime minister tonight, and he will be on this program tomorrow as well as Hannity tomorrow night. And one of the most important issues facing the entire world now is security. And, of course, nuclear proliferation. And what are the opportunities now that we have a new president uh, in the White House? Uh, and and can this change the configuration of, of where things are? Um, one of the most important issues, I think, of our time. Oh, by the way, you have an MSNBC terrorism analyst urging ISIS to bomb Trump Tower in Turkey. Wasn't that nice? This was in the Washington Times. Just when you thought... You know, fake news, Democratic media's anti-Trump hatred couldn't get worse. Now we've got an NBC analyst urging ISIS to target Trump Tower in Turkey with a terrorist bombing. Anyway, the guy's name is Malcolm Nance. He put a tweet out that appeared to call for a terrorist attack against Trump Towers in Istanbul. 
This is my nominee for the first ISIS suicide bombing of a Trump property. Former intelligence officer tweeted Tuesday afternoon, according to a screenshot that was circulated online and highlighted by the Washington Free Beacon. And anyway, Mr. Nance was responding to a tweet by a writer claiming that Trump's congratulatory call to the Turkish uh, president for winning the referendum that had taken place over the weekend was motivated by reasons tied to the property. I mean, this is this is so beyond anything that that meets any basic litmus common sense test. It's so ridiculous. Anyway, imagine if somebody at Fox News had said that today. Now we got the DNC. They're out there selling T-shirts of their new DNC chairman, Tom Perez, that's saying that Republicans don't give a shh about people. They're actually selling the T-shirts. You know, if you're the kind of American who enjoys seeing the F-word graffiti and sprayed on buildings or you think it's cute when teenagers wear, uh, you know, swear up a storm online at a local 7-Eleven and you sit there and take it, well, the new Democratic Party's probably reaching out to you because now they've turned this line into a T-shirt. And the new official DNC T-shirts come with the following message, bla- message blazoned across the front. Show Republicans that you give a shh with this American-made T-shirt. You know, maybe next year's crop of Democratic candidates can proudly run their campaigns wearing that shirt. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Now, one of the things I want to get into um, when we get back, we've heard all the talk, all the discussion about intelligence and leaking and WikiLeaks and all of these stories about how, in fact, it was the Russians. Well, there's actually a CBS News report that there is a manhunt underway for a traitor inside the Central Intelligence Agency. Wow. Now, hang on a second. Didn't I say for the longest time that at the end of the day, this is going to come back to the intelligence community? And didn't I say that it's very likely going to be very high up? Anyway, now CBS is picking up on this, but... They're pointing out that sources familiar with the investigation say they're looking for an insider, either a CIA employee or a contractor who had physical access to the material. That, of course, was given to WikiLeaks. We'll get to that when we get back as we continue from Tel Aviv. It's the Sean Hannity Show. We are in Israel and we'll continue. stops working for the good of the country. Sean Hannity with behind-the-scenes information on today's breaking news. Hannity is on right now. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You can get on the lines. We'll take some calls even though we are in Tel Aviv and we are at 102 FM and this is like our home away from home every time we go to uh, Israel and the person that makes this possible for us is Roy Katz. He's the VP of content for 102 FM, Tel Aviv Radio. 
By the way, you host your own show, don't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. What you? What, 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 what is it? Because how come <laughs> first, I was able to give political? What? Go it's ahead. so great to have you. It's not here. so great to have. It doesn't. No, no, I'm a pain. It it's a pain in the ass. No, be honest. I, I show am. up, and it means you got you got Trust engineers, me, you got wires, you got this. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you back in Tel Aviv. You it's are, great to be back. And there's me. no war going on right now, like the last time I was here. Which Wait. Is, <laughs> yeah, just wait. Just wait. Just wait five minutes, probably, no, right? No, but uh, it, it's so great to have you here and all your staff. We love it. It's a pleasure. You know, when when the prime minister was up the last time, you had me do a couple of hours mm-hmm. just for your station, 102 FM in yeah. Tel Aviv. How did that go over? Because, I mean, now here I am. I was sitting in my New York studio, and I'm just doing a, a live First of all, hour or two of, uh, of radio of here. The people of Israel are very uh, familiar with you and, right. Fo- and Fox News as I'm well. I'm shocked. I was just out in the mall, and everybody knew hey, me. Hey, you're a celebrity here. I am. It's weird. It's actually very, very strange. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know the, the special uh, friendship between uh, Israel and the United States and, yeah. um, and between the people of the United States and the people of Israel. And um, people are... Trying to get um, Israel perspective of reality right. to American um, audience as well, and for you to take in calls from Israel. Oh, it was it awesome. was great. It was awesome. And people even <laughs> kept calling like my. They figure out how to call my live radio show back in the states, mm-hmm. and they would do that. Oh yeah, I mean, and and people were asking, you know, the day after and the week after, and I'm not even mentioning the award we got. For that special, what? Oh yeah, we got we won an award, Sean, for that special. For what? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you mean you won it for my special that oh, I yeah. did? Okay, I, I can show you the plaque Why? in just a second. Wait a minute, you get an award. How come nobody told me I won the award? <laughs> why does Why does only the radio station get the award? Because that's just like that in uh, in Israel in the. Oh, this, so uh, the, the, the guy that radio, hosted no, the, the guy that the hosted the show is meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh no, what, don't say that. What was that. What was the award? I didn't even. Nobody told me this. Linda's like, I told. Oh, uh, we did an election uh, special where people, when people in Israel uh, were talking about the upcoming election, and we won an award uh, this year. Uh, actually, it was last year, uh, right. and we won an award. And uh, what was the it award? It was so, you know. We were really honored by that. Right. Uh, it's a tough competition against all the stations in Israel and all uh, mm-hmm. the radio programs. And how many stations do you compete against? About twenty. Twenty. Okay. About that's 20. actually, it's kind of typical to a, a market in the United States. That's not uncommon. Yeah, but you know, Israel is a fairly small sp- uh, but place. But this, but you don't. Ha- this is not a talk station. Um, we're doing talk. We're doing music. Uh, you a lot do of both. Sp- a lot of sports. A lot of news. Yeah. I mean, but we're you- trying to compete in you know every let's say field possible for us but you have restrictions in israel in terms of political talk especially in the lead up to an election correct true true we are regulated by the state right and we are not very happy with that yeah i must admit what does that mean as a broadcaster like for example let's say bb is running against whoever he's running against well first of all uh in the last uh, two days before the election we can say anything about the election because you can't say anything uh, almost anything unless it's hardcore news i mean unless oh you no, can or you can't we can't uh we can't do you can't any do commentary it. right i mean we can tell the news but we can't say anything no views just you, you can't can't say uh, I'm gonna vote for B. Oh no, oh no. What would the penalty be? Uh, probably some severe fine. 
Fine. Wow. Oh, yeah. A now, lot of money. Now, I was able to. Why was I able to do more because I'm a U.S. broadcaster? First of all, we did it a week before the election. Right. Uh, our legal team, you know, looked at all the aspects, and right. uh, they were able to... Were there any complaints? Did anybody complain that I was on? Uh, I don't think so. People are very much familiar with right. your views, and they know that you are a friend of our prime minister. Right. And we got callers that uh, don't exactly agree with Netanyahu. Right. So we were able and we put to, do on. It, to do it fairly. And balanced, as <laughs> one would say. Is that true? Yeah. Um, well, what is your show about? You got a Friday Parliament show. What is that? Um, it's a weekly show every Friday morning, right. and I'm. It's a, it's an hour long show, and uh, two usually member of parliaments, ministers, or high right. rank generals, uh, and I interview them. You know, just one on one, half right. an hour with no commercials. So right. it's. Really How do you try- get away with no commercials? We wouldn't survive without these Well, I'm the VP of content. So. Oh, okay. So you put the commercial in other people's <laughs> exactly, hours. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I think that works out pretty well. Um, what is the general feeling among people you meet in Israel about our new president, President Trump? People are very concerned because Why? they don't really know him from a political point of view. Don't they I mean, know they, that Obama was was oh, hostile towards Israel? They were. Obama was very unpopular in Israel, right. uh, especially in the last two years right. of his presidency. But and people are very much familiar with Donald Trump, but as a TV celebrity, not as a politician. They don't know right. his real views, and they're very much afraid that maybe he's not. Um, his knowledge of the complexities of the Middle East, um, and they're very concerned about that. Yet, yet, Did this... they know Mike Pence very well, the VP. Right. And I think after three months or so, you know, people... Things are settling in now. Yeah. Well, they... what about after Syria? Because Obama drew a red line in the sand with Syria and did nothing. And he cl- it's and he not actually, a red line, it's a joke. It's a joke, all right. Him and John Kerry and, those, and Susan Rice, those, they claim that, well, that got rid of Assad's chemical fi- weapons. Those 59 cruise missiles mm-hmm. are all the difference between the Trump administration and the Obama administration, as, as far as the people of Israel are concerned. They liked it. Oh, yeah. Because here they What see about a... the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan? Well, you know, it's... I, I'm not sure people here are actually understanding the meaning of that. The Moab uh, bomb. Exactly. Well, they saw what happened. Oh, yeah, they saw it. And but... it targeted ISIS tunnels, and they got, what, 100 ISIS fighters but that you we know, confirmed. You, you know, it's all about proximity. People are caring more about right. the stuff next door. And, you know, we have a border with Syria. And right. We are very much concerned with what's happening there. Uh, ISIS and the Iranians, you know, involvement there. Have oh, refugees yeah. tried to come into Israel? Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. what happens? Um, from the sense of humanitarian efforts, uh, especially children, especially women. You are taking uh, them oh, in. Oh, yeah. They are being hospitalized and they are being treated, but then... They, they have read, to go back. They have to go back. Um, I know Jordan has actually set up safe zones. True. I know President Trump has talked about setting up a safe zone inside of Syria where, mm-hmm. where they'll provide military support and safety and then food and medicine and supplies and cots and blankets and baby formula. Um, which I think is a better alternative than allowing people to go to these other countries. I think most people probably hope when the civil war is over they get to go home. I, I can't even imagine what Syria will look like after the civil war is over. Right. Um, Syria, probably as we knew it, it, will not even be able to come together again. Um, but I, I, I do think that 
the Trump administration is understanding that you can't lead from behind anymore. I mean, it's just not possible. So, so very well said. You know, it's amazing. You know, you go abroad and, and sometimes the knowledge of people abroad surpasses especially Americans and their lack of knowledge is on the left side of the spectrum. But I, I will tell you, if you live in uh, Chicago, if you live in Minneapolis, what do you care about what's happening in Damascus? I mean, you happen, I mean, you care more about you know employment or taxes and the things that are you know closer to you. You, I can, you don't you don't I have the luxury of not caring. That. Exactly, I can understand that. I I really can. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I am. Um, kind of confused or worried about that people in D.C. and people in New York, which are very much familiar with diplomacy and what's going on in the Middle East, in the last eight years, or not the last eight years, but the, during the Obama administration, uh, especially, let's say, uh, the last mm -hmm. um, uh, state, um, Secretary of State, yeah. you know, what were, what was he doing, really? He's probably one of the dumbest human beings you'll ever meet. Can you say that about your politicians here on the air? That they're dumb and stupid? Uh, probably we can say worst thing, uh, but uh, hey, you can say it about our politicians and I'll say it about your politicians. No, no, no. I'm saying, <laughs> what if you went on the air and you called? No problem, no problem. No problem. No problem. Right. I, I'm just worried about the restrictions you might be under no, here. No, 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 no. I'm going to no, lose no, no, the no, I won an award, hey, now I'll lose the license are, of the radio station. You, uh, I want you to remember, you are in the only democracy in the Middle That's East. That's true. And you can say anything you know it's you funny want. so i i had lunch with some high-ranking people today i won't mention who <laughs> and there's this young girl she's 21 years old four years now in the 22 years old in the idf mm -hmm. and a beautiful young girl and she's so tough and she's so so much smarter having lived in that environment where she understands the survival of her nation is in jeopardy every day and that everybody, it's all hands on deck. Everybody serves, and I think you 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 just have a you're you're closer to reality because sitting, reality is right on top of you. Does are, that make sense? We are sitting here yeah. in this beautiful studio in the middle of Tel Aviv. Right. How far is the Gaza Strip? That's How right. far, Not that far is the Syrian border? How far Not that is far. the occupied territory? I mean, how far is Jordan? How far is Egypt? Look, in American standard, it's a joke. I it's mean, a it's joke. right next door. Yeah. There are missiles from Lebanon and from the Gaza Strip covering the entire... Tel Aviv's been hit. Exactly. You remember? I you remember. Were I was two here. Two and a half years ago. I was here. We spent time together here in the studio. I know. And, uh... With the sirens all over us. I mean, it was crazy. It was hectic. All right. Listen, you're so generous. Every time we come, i got to say thank you, and uh, glad you could spend a few minutes with us on the air. Roy Such Katz. Such a pleasure for us. The VP of content. We're in Tel Aviv. 102 FM Tel Aviv Radio is where we do the show from when we're here. And they just couldn't be nicer to uh, to be around and to be with. As a matter of fact, we're going to check in Dory Gold, the ambassador, uh, well, former U.N. ambassador and foreign minister. Basically, he was running the foreign ministry up until lately. Uh, we'll talk to him about what possible peace chances are coming, especially in light of the fact that Mahmoud Abbas will be making a trek towards uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and meeting with the president. We'll get into that. We have the other news of the day.
right, from 102 FM in Tel Aviv, we're in Israel. The Prime Minister will join us tomorrow. Dory Gold at the top of the hour. Let's get to our phones as we check in with, well, is it Brenda? Brenda's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brenda, hi. How are you hi, listening Drew, on KRMG? I am, I am so happy to hear from you. I, you're, I'm a big fan of you. I listen to you all day, all night, all day. Oh, thank you. How are and you? And I am excited that you're in Israel right now. You're in Tel Aviv? Yes, ma'am. It's, is this your first time in Israel? No, ma'am. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm really excited that you're going to be in Israel, that you're with, uh, supporting Trump so much as you do, and you're interviewing Bibi tomorrow. And I'm, I'm really excited you're getting the United States helping, at least, and letting the world know that Listen, you're getting... I'm, I'm you just know. a spoke in the wheel. I'm just trying to get to... Just trying spoke. to do my little part. That's all. That's all I'm trying to do here. By the way, there are people that would like to shut us down forever and take that spoke and throw it out the window but that's a separate issue for yeah, a separate that's day not gonna happen. that's not going to happen god willing it won't happen what's yes, happen- what's going on what else is going on nothing i'm just excited that you know uh we got a president right now trump who is one of the greatest presidents and i can see it from far that will be trying to get this united states on track and be in israel and be trying to get friends again with israel as much as obama has slapped israel in the face now we got someone who's going to hold israel up and i'm so happy there is there's such an opportunity and i really do appreciate your call thank you brenda but there's an opportunity because obama did one thing it wasn't by design he's created a coalition of israel and the saudis and the jordanians and egyptians that didn't exist before and if that can be used with, say, President Trump leading and putting everybody together, it'll certainly prevent Iranian hegemony in the region and maybe even prevent them from getting the nuclear weapons that Obama almost handed to him on a silver platter. Uh, Frank is in Glendora, California. Frank, how are you? Welcome to Tel Aviv. Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. I had a question for you, or more of a kind of a question statement, but I, I saw Senator Mark Warren, uh, he's a Democrat on the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, on about a week ago, and he was on a couple of different stations, Fox 2, I think, maybe. I know I saw him on a couple of different ones, but he was saying, you know, that, that they were going, they're looking into this collusion with uh, Trump's campaign and with uh, the Russians, and he was saying that, you know, that, that it was all one-sided. The emails came out all uh, for Trump and against Hillary. And I, I don't see anybody pushing back on him and looking specifically into what actually happened back then. Those emails came out showing that the DNC was interfering in the election, uh, the primary with Bernie Sanders. And that's why uh, Debbie Washman Schultz got uh, kicked off uh, as the head of the DNC. And the other question that I think needs to be asked is that I'd like to, I actually called his office, I'd like to ask the, him, how would Trump's campaign collude? What did they actually do, according to them? The, the Russians are pretty well, good they can, doing hacking well, if it's a Russian. The, the, ans- the answer to your question is there's no evidence that anything happened. Nothing. Zip. Nada. And the fact that the media keeps advancing that narrative is is only fake news. And if any evidence comes, we'll let you know. And until then, anytime you hear or see it, just know it's all fake. What wasn't fake is what they did to Bernie Sanders, though. That's a good point. Quick break. Right back from Tel Aviv. We're in Israel. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Dory Gold next. But under President Trump, the shield stands guard and the sword stands ready. Today we're building on that optimism. I'm proud to announce that we are about to take bold new steps to follow through on my pledge to buy American and hire American. 
holding them accountable. Sean gets the answers no one else does. Freedom is back in style. Welcome to the revolution. We burning down the night, shooting bullets at the moon. Scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. For two Sean Hannity shows, we continue. We are in Tel Aviv, 102 FM, and so much happening as it relates to foreign affairs and and issues involving Syria, the Middle East, new alliances emerging. Then, of course, nuclear proliferation, the Iranian deal of Obama. What do you do about North Korea when they want ICBMs and they already have nuclear weapons? Anyway, so we are here. We'll be talking to the prime minister on the program tomorrow. Hope you'll join us for that. And we'll be doing just a normal television show tonight, 10 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Uh, While here in town, I had an opportunity earlier to run into my old friend, former U.N. ambassador. And uh, up till recently, the Israeli foreign ministry director, uh, Ambassador Dory Gold, is back with us. How are you, sir? Good to hear from you, Sean. You know, you look at what happened. um, What a difference, by the way. You know, I I played tape on this program of President Obama and John Kerry and Susan Rice saying, well, we drew the red line in the sand with Syria and and Assad got rid of his chemical weapons. Well, nobody got rid of any chemical weapons and we saw what happened. And then we saw the new president, Donald Trump, actually fire 59 Tomahawk missiles into the airfield where the plane had taken off with those chemical weapons. What differences do you see in the short time President Trump has been in office, 90 days now? Well, there's no question. If you want to avoid war in the future, you have to have very strong deterrence. If you draw a line in the sand, but you don't defend that line, you invite conflict down the road. And that's what we saw in the Middle East. The Middle East has been deteriorating. Iranian um, supporters, Iranian pro-Iranian organizations with Iranian troops are on the ground in Lebanon, in, in Syria, of course, in Iraq, Yemen, and elsewhere. And the Iranians are on a roll. And the only way to stop them is to send them a message, this is unacceptable, and I think that's what President Trump has done. When you look at, for example, look at what the saber-rattling in North Korea, and they, you know, you got Kim Jong-un saying that there could be nuclear war at any moment. All right, so... If you go back, for example, I think there's analogies that can be drawn here. I mean, Obama thought that his red line actually caused uh, Assad, Bashar al-Assad, to get rid of his chemical weapons. That didn't work. Then you have the case where Bill Clinton was president at the time, and we played this tape on this radio program before, and he assured the American people after he gave Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, $4 billion that they weren't going to, build nuclear weapons. Even the New York Times at the time was skeptical of that. Then we've got this Iranian deal where, okay, now the Iranians have billions of dollars and Obama's making a similar promise, oh, they'll never get nuclear weapons. But when you look at North Korea and that deal didn't work out and they have nuclear weapons and now they want ICBM capability, well, now it becomes a far more precarious military operation for the United States or anybody else to prevent the ICBMs from being built because of the nuclear capability that they could launch at South Korea, Japan, or, or China, or anywhere else. So what, how does that relate to 
not allowing the Iranians and the mullahs in Iran to get nukes? Well, I think you have to stand firm. First, when they violate, you have to respond. But let's say they don't violate. We have a scenario building, which is very worrisome to me, and I keep talking about it, but, you know, I don't know. I'll just tell you what it is. The uh, Iran deal doesn't prevent them from continuing research and building new missiles. They could build up a huge missile force from now for the next, let's say, 12 or 15 years. Then when they're free of the agreement, because the Iran agreement on, uh, on uranium enrichment runs out after a certain period of time, they can use accelerated uh, uranium production using fast centrifuges, and they'll have a huge nuclear force. This is a, a, a nightmare we're facing down the road. This is a new Soviet Union, only it's run by Ayatollahs and not by godless communists. Well, look, I've got enough tape of, of the mullahs in Iran and, and, and people like Ahmadinejad from years gone by, but, you know, chanting death to Israel, death to America, burning the Israeli flag, burning the American flag. Why, you know, we know that there is this this caliphate mindset mentality, which is this this idea that, the world must convert or they will be killed. A very fatalistic view of what the future of the world would look like. To me, it's a very simple formula. If you give radical Islamic mullahs weapons of mass destruction, the likelihood is pretty great they'll use them. And you know who understands this beside Israel? The Sunni Arabs. The Sunni Such Arabs a good point. Now when you talk about, about Saudi Arabia and, and these other countries, yes. Right. Now, we're not turning into you know kissing cousins overnight. But we have mutual interests, which I think can be developed. And I think President Trump is in an unusual position where he can become the father of not a Middle East peace process necessarily, but a Middle East security process, which leads to a peace process. Group us together like they grouped the NATO countries back in 1947 or 48, and you can change this region. You're, you're talking about like a a Middle Eastern NATO that would include Israel, the Saudis, the Jordanians, the Egyptians. Do you agree with my analysis, but for Obama and this horrific risk that he took with the Iranians that could lead to a Iranian hegemony in the region, that maybe this alliance never would have occurred? Well, we have other interests, too. For example, with Egypt, we have very serious interests in preventing ISIS, Islamic State, from taking over some of the Sinai Peninsula, and from there using that as a springboard into the Nile Valley. So, you know, we both are monitoring ISIS movements in that whole area. You know, if tomorrow ISIS, God forbid, took over Egypt, you know what happens next? What happens next is you could have 80 million Egyptians crossing the Mediterranean and joining the Syrian refugees who have already bombarded Europe you're going to have a much larger refugee problem. These are global issues. This isn't just a local problem well, for Israel or, or uh, no, I agree. two Arab states. But, but didn't that almost happen with Mohammed Morsi, you know, one of the founders of the Muslim Brotherhood, one of the leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood for the short time that he took over Egypt? And, and I thought America acted deplorably when Obama handed him you know, $1.5 billion and F-16s and, and tanks, and with this guy's history supporting the Muslim Brotherhood, which even our own country identifies as a terrorist state and a terrorist organization. 
And the Muslim Brotherhood, if you read their literature, which we do, you find that they talk about um, recovering lost Islamic territories like Spain, which they call Andalus, or the southern parts of Italy. You know, the um, spiritual head of the Muslim Brotherhood sits in Qatar. His name is Sheikh Yusuf Kardawi. And I've seen his quotes. He talks about, we will conquer Rome. We will conquer the Vatican. So he says, not with military force, but with proselytizing. But the intent is there. He's sending a green light for operations against Europe. Europeans have to wake up. They're facing a much more difficult problem, especially if you get like guys like Mohammed Morsi uh, take over countries. Let me ask you this, because I know that uh, Mahmoud Abbas is the head of the, the, the PLO. He's going to be headed to Washington in early May. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't he... It, doesn't his organization actually pay families that kill Israelis? Aren't they setting up, uh, like, for example, if, if anybody kills an Israeli and ends up dead, that they actually build monuments honoring them under his control? Am I wrong about this? This is absolutely true, and it's one of the facts of Middle East diplomacy that is largely unknown. And I'm really thankful to you, Sean, for making this known to people. I mean, it is outrageous that a Palestinian terrorist can, let's say, he shoots and he wounds an Israeli and he goes to prison. Then the Palestinian Authority, which has been funded by the West, including by the United States, uh, has to pay uh, his family money. First of all, they have to pay him money. If so we killed, give money to the, the Palestinian family. Authority, and, and then if somebody kills a... Israeli, then the family is given money, which probably they wouldn't be able to give had America not been supporting them financially. Is that a fair statement? That is an, that is an absolute truth. And what, they, what, what has happened is that um, Mahmoud Abbas has created a culture of hatred and hostility. And so he can go to the West, he can go to Paris, he can go to London, he can come to Washington, and he knows all the right things to say. And people say, oh, he just wants peace. If he really wants peace, let him, first of all, stop paying the families of terrorists. And that has to happen not in a month, not in a year. It has to happen now. And second of all, let him change the law that requires payments to these families. This is, you know, just... But there's an, I've never seen a boss even simply recognize Israel's right to exist. I mean... I, I know the president probably has great intentions like past presidents have had, and, and certainly peace in the Middle East would be great for the entire world. But if you're going to be negotiating with somebody that doesn't recognize Israel's right to exist and they're paying terrorist money if they kill Israelis, you know, where do the negotiations begin there? I don't see how it happens. And the worst thing that can happen, you know, a couple of years ago I was in a debate at NYU uh, run by a British organization, Intelligence Squared. And I had on my side a former Clinton negotiator. And he said something, his name was Aaron Miller, he said something that really got to me, and I think about a great deal. He said, he was talking about Camp David with President Clinton in the year 2000. He was saying the worst thing you can do is put the President of the United States on a mission to convene a peace conference when there isn't a chance in hell of getting the kind of agreement that you have in mind. You embarrass the president, 
you embarrass the United States of America and you weaken it. In the year 2000, we also got violence. We got the second intifada erupting. So, you know, you've you got to make sure that um, Mahmoud Abbas does the right thing before we even talk about any of these negotiations. He has to stop the incitement to violence. He has to stop the culture of violence. And he has to stop this law that pays the families of terrorists that have either killed or wounded or attacked, and they're sitting in prison. All right, Dory Gold, uh, always a pleasure to have you on. We appreciate you being with us. And uh, probably the greatest tour I've ever had in my life is in the old city in Jerusalem with Dory Gold as my guide. I mean, he has encyclopedic knowledge of of every single inch of uh, the old city, and uh, it was one of my great pleasures to be able to go out there with you. Thank you, sir. I hope I see you still while I'm uh, on this trip. Thank you for being with us. I think we'll see you on TV tonight. Every nook and cranny with you. (laughs) Every nook and cranny with Hannity. You're stuck. Uh, All right, Dory. Appreciate it. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity show, we're in Israel. We're in Tel Aviv, 102 FM, and we'll be here today and tomorrow. The prime minister will be on radio and TV tomorrow, and uh, we're going to basically take a look at peace and dealing with radical extremist countries that potentially get weapons of mass destruction like North Korea and potentially even Iran. Anyway, joining us now is uh, we continue. It's Bruce in, what is it, Farmington, New Mexico, on the Sean Hannity Show. Welcome to Tel Aviv, sir. Hey, Sean, I wish I was standing there with you. You realize you're standing in the middle of the, the, the mecca, so to speak, of dealing with your enemies with strength. And it's a shame that the world cannot see that example. And I'd like to compare that with what Reagan did in 86. I was young lieutenant at the time. And what he did with the bombing in Libya and how well that quieted not just Libya down, but everything down. And if you'll notice, the Israelis have never taken any gruff from anybody without coming back and smacking them as hard as they possibly could. And how there are a few missiles lobbed into Israel from uh, occasionally. But there has not been a major conflict since Israelis smacked everybody down and pushed everybody back. And I wish the world, and particularly our leaders, and thank God, I think Donald Trump has, and his generals, obviously, have learned from that lesson, that if you deal from strength, there's going to be a lot of bluster. There's bluster in Korea. There's bluster in, in uh, from Russia. And there's bluster from Iran, obviously. But... It, all you have to do is look at the examples of history to see how well the example of Israel and Reagan in 86 does the job. Listen, there's no doubt about it. Look, Israel has, since its inception, um, been under fire and surrounded by enemies. Israel has had no choice but to be militarily strong, smarter, better, tougher, and they are. There's so many analogies that you can use here. Now, The problem for Israel is the same problem that America is now facing with North Korea. North Korea has nuclear weapons because of feckless, irresponsible negotiating by then Bill Clinton, president at the time, $4 billion supposedly bought him an end to North Korea's nuclear program. All right, so now they're trying to get ICBMs so they can make it to the continental United States. Okay, if that happens... You know, what do you do to stop it? How does that end? It just, it puts them in a position of strength. If we don't stop now the Iranians from getting nuclear weapons, then they have a power that we have handed to them. And the whole world will be that much more dangerous 
because you have radical Islamists married to weapons of mass destruction. The time to do something, and nobody wants to say it, is right here and right now. From Tel Aviv, it's the Sean Hannity Show. We'll continue. Holding them accountable. Sean gets the answers no one else does. America deserves to know the truth about Congress. The time has come to begin a battle of annihilation. Our goal is clear. To wipe Israel off the map. We shall destroy Israel and its inhabitants. I just started this job 10 months ago. Now you want me to plan an entire war in two days? Yes. Take the old city and be done with it. No more bloodshed. We should go in now. And what is your great strategy for that? To be right here, Mota, and not to go in? History will never forgive you. Jerusalem has never been conquered from the east. Not since King David's time. So it will be the second time. And the last one. Enter the old city immediately and capture it. 55th Paratrooper Brigade, move toward the Lion's Gate. It was a merciless battle, but you didn't complain. For you, it was enough to drive forward and to conquer. Jerusalem is yours forever. All right, that's the trailer from the Six-Day War. And if you think back, that was in June of 1967, the third Arab-Israeli conflict and war. And Israel had a decisive victory, including at the time. Remember, they were surrounded and they were forced into that conflict. And they captured the Sinai Peninsula, the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the old city of Jerusalem and Golan Heights as what they were surrounded. And joining us now, by the way, Chris Mitchell is the Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News. But literally, Israel was surrounded. They were. In, in 1967, there were five Arab armies that wanted to drive Israel into the Egypt, sea. Egypt, Jordan, Jordan, Syria, Iraq, Lebanon. And all, all, all surrounding Israel. All surrounding. Nobody thought Israel was that powerful. No, they didn't. And they didn't. What happened before the war, we were just talking to uh, Itzhak Herzog, the uh, son of the former president of uh, Israel. At the time, people here in Tel Aviv thought they were going to be annihilated. There were people they were digging trenches. They were preparing body bags. The, the trailer you heard is from In Our Hands, The Battle for Jerusalem. It's a CBN docudrama yeah. commemorating the 50th anniversary of the recapture, the liberation of the city of Jerusalem. First time in 2,000 years that the Jewish people had such... Control you know, the city it's so again. interesting. I just had Dory Gold on the program, and we were talking about defensible borders and and all of these enemies for all these years surrounding Israel. If you go back to the 48 partition uh, plan of the United Nations and then the 67 war, the Six Day War, 73, and now we're at a point where I don't think anybody would have predicted, probably as a result of the Iranians and and their proxy wars being fought against the Sunni nations. Mm-hmm. Now you got a lot of Sunni nations aligning with Israel, aligning yep. with Israel, and an opportunity, perhaps, 
for Israel and its neighbors to create an alliance that nobody would have anticipated. It's a unique opportunity. That's what Itzhak Herzog was saying, who's yeah. the leader of the opposition right now. A unique opportunity when they have a common enemy, Israel and these Sunni Arab nations, see a nuclear Iran as a possible existential threat to all of them, not only just Israel. Uh, yeah. Even the Sunni nations fear Iran probably as much or more than Israel right now. That's the reason for this unprecedented cooperation. As Dory Gold was just telling you just a few minutes ago, we were in a press conference a long time ago with him saying that he had met with his counterpart from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And this is unprecedented. But it's also interesting, too, because in the short time he's been president, we know that, that President Trump has met with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, King Abdullah of Jordan, uh, President uh, el-Sisi of Egypt, and, and, of course, the prime minister of Israel. So there has to be some discussion. Now, in a couple of weeks, Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the PLO, right. is going to be meeting with the president. But as Dory Gold was just pointing out, A, they don't recognize Israel's mm-hmm. right to exist. Right. B, they're paying families of of those that kill Israelis, and they're creating monument parks for those killers of Israelis. And I don't know where you begin negotiations with people that are that dedicated to your destruction. Exactly. And I would add, Sean, that what what Trump has done in less than 100 days is trying to reverse what Obama has done in eight years. In eight years, there was a rise of ISIS. There was this nuclear uh, program, the position with uh, with Iran that has so many flaws. Russia has come in in an unprecedented way. And now he's kind of... Uh, resetting the calibration of the, of, uh, of the Middle East. He's meeting with Jordan. He's meeting with Egypt, Saudi Arabia, traditional allies of the United States. Well, think about that, though. I mean, he's doing it here with Israel, the Saudis, the Egyptians, Jordanians, to prevent Iranian hegemony. And mm-hmm. obviously, I think there's going to be at some point a push, there has to be militarily, to stop the Iranians from getting nuclear weapons. And similarly, he got along famously with the president of China, exactly, and mm-hmm. that's bearing fruit. Now, okay, some would say, well, he's broken a promise. He's not calling them a currency manipulator, but the Chinese put 175,000 troops on the border. They stopped shipments of coal from North Korea to China. They're importing American coal, mm-hmm. and they've opened up trade negotiations that would benefit the United States. Yeah. So, the, again, it, it, I don't think that's what anyone would have thought or planned or believed prior to what 90 days ago yeah and no and i think he sees it a priority to stop a nuclear north korea rather than the the trade deal well, we have China a nuclear right north korea but exactly no it, we do and then you know it's interesting that uh, 50 years ago Israel was facing enemies that wanted to wipe it out, and now Iran is a similar enemy, but now it has nuclear weapons and i would say that Iran is almost uh, do you think the Iranians have them I kind of think they they e- either have them or they're on the on, on the, the precipice uh, on the precipice, and that's why it has to be. See, but uh, this is the danger. If we use North Korea as an example, and North Koreans now have nuclear weapons, it's indisputable, right. incontrovertible. Now they want ICBM technology. It's interesting to watch every time they try and mm-hmm. launch a, a long-range missile. It's a dud. Or most times it's a dud. They do have mid-range missiles. They do. They could cause a lot of damage in Japan, China, and South Korea, and millions of people potentially could die. What do we learn? They're that much more difficult to deal with because they have nuclear weapons. Imagine how much more difficult Iran would be if they had nuclear weapons. A a nuclear Iran, I think, Sean, could be... uh, more dangerous than uh, Syria and North Korea combined. And as I said 50 years ago, Israel faced it an existential threat. Now they face an existential threat. And just let me add, in terms of that uh, docudrama, if people want to get a hold of it, they can go to In Our Hands 
Yeah. 1967.com. Get tickets. It's going to be a Fathom event on May 23rd uh, around the country. By the way, Fathom event means, and you're talking about the United States. Exactly. Yeah. There's about 500 theaters. 500. That's a one-night deal. Exactly. And you can go. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll link it to Hannity.com. Um, also, by the way, I saw that you put together a book. It's called ISIS, Iran, and, and Israel. Um, really, this if you add North Korea, four countries, mm-hmm. but... In this region, we're looking at three countries that bother me. And you're talking about Assad, Damascus, Syria. You're talking about mullahs, Iran, mm-hmm. and, and and Tehran. And then you're talking about Putin, right? which has aligned himself with both the Iranians and, and Bashar al-Assad. Mm-hmm. That alliance troubles me. Very much so. It should trouble you and yeah. everyone and Americans. Because, I mean, I don't know what Putin's motivations here are. Right. There's a chapter in the book I talk about the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. Yeah. So in October of 2015, when a German, gen, uh, sorry, a Russian general came into Iraq and Baghdad and told that the United States to get out of the skies because they're going to start bombing, well, that was because Obama had left a vacuum here in the Middle East that Russia was no, all too glad to fill. And now Trump has to deal with a, with a Russia that has an unprecedented but, but he, presence. But he hasn't really had any influence with Jordan Egypt, the Saudis, the Sunni nations, and certainly, well, there is a relationship with Israel. I wouldn't say that it's one other than trust, but verified. Right, right exactly. But, um, you know, I don't know what his ambition, why is he so, why has he been so supportive of Assad staying in power? Why is he so supportive of the mullahs in Iran? Especially because Russia itself has dealt with radical Islamic terrorism. Exactly. Exactly. You know, for for uh-huh. how many years? Certainly one thing they want is a warm water port on the Mediterranean. They want an air base that they have. Uh, the thing for I- Israel, though, I think the danger for Israel is that in the Syrian civil war, that if Iran has a base up on, say, for example, the Golan Heights, right. uh, if they control Syria after the civil Sy- Syrian civil war is over, that represents an even greater existential threat to, uh, to Israel. And I think that's the thing that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is, uh, is waging war against. Every so often you hear that there's a there's an Israeli airstrike inside Damascus, outside Damascus, trying to uh, keep game-changing weapons but out there of the was hands a of number Hezbollah. Year, there were a number of years ago, there were reports that the Syrians were trying to build their own nuclear facilities. That's right. And like in the 80s, when the Iraqis were trying to do so, the it was the Israelis who faced worldwide condemnation at the time. It turned mm-hmm. out to be a brilliant strategic tactical exactly. strike that led to a lot of lives probably mm-hmm. being saved. But they took out the Iraqi sites in the 80s. But what was it? Less than 10 years ago, they took out the Syrian sites, and they did it, and there was hardly any right. reporting of it. Yeah, exactly. And the fa- and one thing uh, that's related to the current crisis is mm-hmm. that was built by North Korean technology. Wow. Ehud Olmert at the time, he uh, launched the secret airstrike mm-hmm. that devastated that uh, nuclear Weren't facility. Weren't they able to fly under Syria's radar, in other words, Israeli fighter jets, and I, take them out? I think they did, yeah. And it uh, one thing right now that would be more... More difficult to do, and that presents the problem that Russia, they have an air defense system inside Syria that can see almost all of Israeli airspace. So that makes it much more complicated now. It's interesting because that also means that Putin, well, we know we gave him about a 40-minute heads up because we didn't want to ki- kill any yeah, Russian exactly. soldiers and we had an agreement to mm-hmm. do so. Uh, but it also means that the Russians didn't use the defense systems That's true. that they could have used against the Tomahawk missiles, right? Right, right. Yeah. One thing I want to say about the 59 Tomahawk missiles, uh, Itzhak Herzog was saying that was a message that resonated throughout the Middle East and sent a message that it, it, America is back, there's a new sheriff in town, and that made a huge change here in the Middle East. 
wonder if, if wonder if Putin why is Putin trying to prop up the Iranians why doesn't he see the danger of a nuclear-armed Iran, and especially with its close proximity? That's a, that's a great question. You wonder that because, as you said, Russia has been facing, facing, been facing radical, radical Islamic, Islamic terror forever. for a long time. In Chechnya, yeah. they have uh, they had a bomb in Moscow not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. It's not going to stop. Yeah. yeah. All right, stay right there. We'll come back. Chris Mitchell with us, his book, ISIS, Iran, and Israel, What We Need to Know About the Current Mideast Crisis and the com- coming Mideast War. Do you think it's inevitable? Uh, some type of war is coming, and, and it may be between the Sunni nations and, and, Sh- and, and the, the Shiite Shia, Iran. And the Iranians yeah. to stop Iranian hegemony. Exactly. Yeah, all right. All right, as we continue from Tel Aviv, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Hannity tonight, 10 Eastern, our usual time from Israel. I think it's like 5 in the morning I'll be doing the show. Wish me luck, uh, especially red-eyeing in last night. Maybe I'll actually be awake. Who knows? Our final moments with Chris Mitchell. Then we'll get to our news roundup, information overload, and your calls. His book, ISIS, Iran, and Israel, what you need to know about the current Mideast crisis and the coming Mideast war. See, I agree with you. I think there is it's, it, it's inevitable now. Mm-hmm. The Iranians have have set the stage and it's either going to be the Sunni nations rising up against this Iranian nuclear threat coupled with and partnering partnering with the United States and Israel or they face their possible destruction exactly you know one thing that's going to happen Sean in maybe a few weeks a few months when ISIS is finally defeated and it seems inevitable Rouse, so many people are coming against yeah, it looks them looks like Mosul now is about to get out of their hands yeah, completely exactly yeah. Mosul and Raqqa what's going to happen after the fall of ISIS is really I think the key question it's going to create a vacuum in the Middle East and right now Iran wants to fill that vacuum in fact I was in northern Iraq not sometime last year they were saying Iran wants to have and uh, be able to take a bus all the way from Tehran to Haifa so they want to have hegemony here in the region and that's one area they already have uh, control influence over the government in but Baghdad. the danger is if they get in a position like the North Koreans and they have nuclear weapons, then what do you do at that point? Because they also have this radical, rigid, sick, twisted, evil ideology of convert or die. Exactly. That's that's the big key right now. Will the United States, will Israel go ahead and try to kill or or try to destroy all their uh, nuclear facilities? From what I understand, it's probably one of the toughest military operations that any country could ever endeavor to be in. Because they've taken their nuclear facilities, all over the country. All over the country. Deep into the ground. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so that that is the big uh, the big question. What's going to happen with uh, in Iran? Do you think nuclear? it's doable? Yes, I do. I do. If, do. if it was the United States and Israel together, I do think it would be doable. And what would be the the repercussions of such a, a military strike? It could be a, a conflagration in the whole Middle East right then. Right then. But the, but the stakes are so high. I mean, if you have, do you really a, think that? Do you think the Jordanians, the Egyptians, the 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 Saudis would also join in that fight? They might. I mean, there has been speculation that the uh, that Saudi Arabia would allow Israel uh, Israeli planes to go over their airspace. airspace yeah, uh, that's one possibility. Uh, they all have uh, just an ex- existential threat, uh, just a, a fear that once they run... How could they not give airspace, considering they're exactly in in a, a target and a threat under threat themselves exactly and i i think people need to uh, not underestimate the danger between or the the hatred between the shiites and the sunnis all right chris mitchell great to see you thanks for stopping by we appreciate it from tel aviv it's the sean hannity show when we come back wide open telephones 800-941-SEAN our number and our news roundup information overload and yeah i know some of you have questions about fox we'll get back to that and much more straight ahead all right news roundup and information overload hour here here at the Sean Hannity Show, we're in Tel Aviv, 102 
uh, FM is the station that we're on. Uh, and joining us for our news roundup, and we'll get to your calls at the bottom of the hour. We welcome back to the program Jonathan Gillum and Rick Unger are with us. Uh, gentlemen, I know you miss me. I'm not back in studio. How are you both doing? We do miss you. There's there's a definite void in the New York City land. No, no, there's not. You're absolutely lying. All right, before we go any further, everybody wants me to comment on the changes at the Fox News Channel. And because both of you have been on my show, you probably know, and I'm trying to explain this to people, is I don't have any insider knowledge. Um, I'm in the building an hour and a half a day because, as you both know, my main office is across the street at the radio station uh, where we have our studios. And I I don't know the veracity of it. I do know that anybody that's on the air is living in an environment where, you know, every single word any of us utters is being taped. And people are hoping and praying that we say something that they deem so incorrect that they can target our show and, and get advertisers off or target our show and get us fired directly from the companies that employ us. Um, I have no knowledge of the, the truth of veracity or, or the, the background of anything involving the case of Bill O'Reilly. I don't know what to say. Um, and uh, I, do I have a crystal ball in terms of the impact of the changes on the network? I don't know. What are your thoughts, Rick? Uh, look, you know, it, it can't go unnoticed that there are other male hosts at uh, Fox, including yourself, where nobody has ever made such a claim. It's, it's, that has to be noticed. Uh, it's also kind of uh, noticeable to me that the last two people who did lodge a complaint against Bill O'Reilly did so in a way where they were not looking for money. The most recent is doing it anonymously, not looking for fame. You know, sometimes if it walks like a duck, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you just have to accept it for what it is. I think it's well, great is there, are there, are there also times that, that people maybe make false allegations? And remember, you know, sometimes people settle cases for a whole variety of reasons, not the least of which is somebody can say, oh, I'm going to say you did this. And then rather than go yeah. through the an embarrassing situation for something you never did, you just will pay money to get out of it. Is that not yeah, a, rarely, a vulnerability rarely. that people have? But rarely do they lodge a complaint as what has happened with the last two. And my information is there's more coming based on the investigation by the outside law firm. Rarely how come do you don't even how come you not seeking money? How do you have more information than me? And I work there. That's pathetic. Well, that means know, I'm pathetic, I guess. an hour a day. What can I tell you? Well, I mean, it actually, I think it served me well because I don't get involved in any of the, the politics that goes on. And, and frankly, any corporation and. You know, I, I feel honored that I've had all this time there, and I know people have a lot of questions. I, I really can't add to the discussion, and I feel inadequate in that sense. But anyway, what's your take, Jonathan? Well, uh, I think Rick is an everywhere spirit somehow. He always seems to know all these things. That's pretty <laughs> incredible. But, uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, Sean, I, I talked about this last night on my Facebook Live show, The Experts, and I, I just, instead of jumping in there and trying to throw accusations and say things about uh, Bill O'Reilly or Fox News, I just I want people to take away from this that, um, for for instance, I'm not just saying this because you have me on your show and stuff. But when I when I was around Fox News and and people are around you, people gravitate towards you, and you have a positive spirit about you. And I just think that people need to realize that their actions, regardless of how famous they are, they have huge consequences. And you know that I think the sad thing about this whole thing is that, that Bill O'Reilly has done a lot for veterans. Fox News is huge for conservatives. 
and that's kind of injured now. You know, there's going to be veterans that don't get things now because they don't have a voice out there, and uh, and conservatives are, are looking for other places to go at times uh, because of these scandals. And we all need to realize that our actions have ramifications far beyond um, our own daily life, uh, especially if we get into uh, a situation where we're, we're a credible voice. And uh, that's so... That's the way I think I look at it, and I think a lot of people are looking at this, and, and uh, I hope this stuff just stops so we can get on with good conservative news. And I'll tell you one other thing. I, I really hope with, with Fox and the changes that are happening there that they continue to have real experts on and don't go down the road that CNN has gone where, you know, it's by and large just journalists talking to other journalists and, and neglecting to talk to real experts, which I feel like you do that. You have experts on your show, and I, think I do. But I mean, and that's that. I I like to actually listen and learn from smart people that that have invested decades of their lives into a particular area of expertise. But um, and then but on it's just a, it's, you'll even talk to me, despite that. Yeah, I, why I talk? You know, that's a great question. Why the hell do I talk to you at all? I don't even know. I have no idea. Jonathan um, said something that's absolutely true that needs to be pointed out. Uh, you know, from the inside Fox situation, look, Bill O'Reilly was a very hard guy to get along with. He wasn't particularly pleasant. He wasn't a fun guy to run into the hallway. Where you, on the other hand, and I've said this to you before, the people who work there, the cameramen, the folks up in makeup and, and hair, man, they would take a bullet for you. They absolutely loved I w- you. And that was what first put me onto the fact that there was more to you than I understood. Well, you be, Look, you're, you're my friend, and I know we disagree politically, and you're being very kind to me, and I hate getting compliments, and I'm very uncomfortable getting them. But I, I can give you an answer <laughs> well, to it. it. Is, oh, you, so you do it on purpose? So it's not because yeah. you really believe any of this crap you just spewed. Not, not a word. Um, not a word. But, but <laughs> in all truth, is that's who I really identify with, and it's just a fact. I mean, when you spend decades of your life being the contractor, being the painter, being the the waiter, being the bartender, I mean, that doesn't that has not left me. And I I really have believed for a long time, and I may sound crazy coming from me considering the the life that I have pursued and the career I've pursued, but I don't think fame is healthy. I think people are way overpaid. I think people are, you know, it gets to them after after a while. You get out of touch. And I'm not saying this about Bill or about anybody else. I, you know, people are surprised when I say to them, I, I barely know the guy after 21 and a half years because our schedules were different. We not, weren't particularly friendly. I can't say that he's a friend of mine and never see him. And um, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. All right, let me move on. Ann Coulter was scheduled to appear at Berkeley, and it's been canceled because concerns about the safety and security at the event. Now, I thought, wasn't Berkeley the home of the free speech movement? where your liberal brethren began this, Rick? It's it's very unfortunate, and I've talked about this a great deal. You know, when I was a kid a thousand years ago, we had the same problem on college campuses, only it was reversed. You couldn't get liberal speakers on campus, and it was awful. Well, it's no different if it's a conservative speaker. Colleges, universities are places that are supposed to be open to hear as many points of view as you can. That's how you grow up and you learn and you get educated. This entire thing, uh, we can't let Ann Coulter come and speak, 
because some idiots may, may riot because they don't like her. It's ridiculous, and it's wrong, and I don't think Berkeley Yeah, but for decades, Jonathan, it's not been the liberals that aren't on college campuses. They now own college campuses, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm talking about back in the 60s, but it's the no. same problem. Well, and now it's conservatives, and it's gone on for years. I mean, if you look every year at the list of, of conservative commencement speakers, it's quite limited. Jonathan. Well, first of all, I, I don't know why people keep trying to go to Berkeley. They're not going to talk sense into Berkeley, and people are just going to – we know what's going to happen. So unless Ann Coulter's trying to make a name – she has a name, but unless she's trying to get you know some free publicity by saying they wouldn't let her talk, I don't know why you would even try to book a, a speech there because they're not going to listen. You're not going to plant any seeds in anybody, and quite frankly, uh, I'm sure there's good cops on their law enforcement, but – it's a worthless police department because they obviously have a chief and uh, a mayor that won't allow their police to get involved when there's a, a riot. These aren't protests. These are riots. So why even go there? It just, I mean, look, let them have their, their little islands of uh, liberal. It's not even liberal. I don't want to insult Rick. These people are communists. And uh, I don't think that uh, we should even, as conservatives, should even give those places a second thought. No. See, I well, it is what that. it is. I, I, I think it's important that people like Ian Coulter go to those places, and I think it's more important that people of those places listen. They probably aren't going to be persuaded, but that's not the point. The point is is that, you know, and, and Sean's right when he says Berkeley is the home of free speech. Well, free speech doesn't just apply to one side. It applies to everybody. Well, you know what? Well, uh, I, Graceland was where Elvis lived, and it's completely run down. So, I mean, we, there's a time when you got to step back and say, it's not even worth it, and I think that's now because they're not going to get this speech. All right, so I'm we got have, news uh, as I've been that. as I've been reporting that the House uh, Freedom Caucus has struck a deal with the Republicans in the House House on a bill to replace Obamacare, and I really knowing the the background of all of this, I mean, since the day that bill went down. I know that people like Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, and, and Dave Bratt and the Freedom Caucus guys, they have worked nonstop to get this done, and they're just putting the finishing touches on that bill. And um, when that gets passed, you got to admit, Rick, that's a big win for the president, a big win for Republicans, albeit a little later than I would have liked. It, it depends on if people realize what's really going on. The reality is, from the federal perspective, if this MacArthur Amendment ends up going through, and I think people are maybe being too hopeful about that, but if it does, all it really does at the end of the day is boot the problem to the states. It basically says under the federal rules, nothing much changes at all. However, you, the state, you can ask for a waiver. So what will end up happening if this goes through is states that have more liberal governments, states that are more controlled by Democrats, of which there are very few, will pretty much continue to have Obamacare. States that are more conservative, that have Republican legislatures and governors, will probably put in for waivers and leave people in the same position they were in before we ever had Obamacare. Well, let me give you let me give you a better understanding of the bill than what you just got from the spin from Rick Unger. When we get back, we'll continue with Rick. <laughs> All right, as we continue, news roundup, information overload hour, and Jonathan Gillum and Rick Unger are with us. So the bottom line here is the Republicans, I wish they had built consensus, but they have come to a, an agreement in principle, in large part, a new amendment that was put in the uh, replacement bill for Obamacare is by Tom MacArthur, New Jersey Republican, member of the Tuesday group. Um, yes, it will include pre-existing conditions, but every Republican plan included that. It'll yet let young adults stay on their parents' plan till 26 
Pretty much every plan also included that, too. But states can now obtain waivers from certain federal standards with the goal of cutting costs and increasing the number of insured. And it'll include the competition aspects that the president talked about, things like portability, free market, health care savings accounts, and, and some of the cooperatives that we've talked about on this program. Um, it can't get any worse, Jonathan, than what we have with Obamacare. I just wish Republicans were a little bit more prepared. You know, Sean, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything about health care and insurance because I don't. That's not my field of expertise. But what my field of, one of my fields of expertise is leadership and standard operating procedures and trying to streamline things. And I, I just can't wrap my head around why the Republicans are trying to figure this out when they've had so much time. Uh, over the past few years to come up with a plan. That's the first thing question I have. The second question is, why don't I don't I've never understood why the, the government feels the need to plan all this stuff with the insurance companies when they should just say you're only going to charge people this amount and your premiums can only be can be charged this amount and let the insurance companies go figure out because they're private companies how can they uh, charge people this low amount? And still make a profit. I don't understand why they don't use insurance that. companies what they can charge. Yeah, I think this is something. Really? I know. I know it's this even, regulation. Even but, I wouldn't say that. But but Rick, this is something that even the, the especially the liberals keep saying. You know, everybody has to have health care. So they're regulating health care as it is. But instead of regulating the amount that people that uh, companies can charge, they're trying to regulate exactly how the insurance will be handed out, and that's not the government's job either. So why don't they just make it simple and say, you're not going to charge people more than this amount? And then everybody well, can afford it. The, the problem with that would be, I mean, I may be okay with that, but the, the problem with that is going to be if the insurance companies don't feel it's profitable enough for them at whatever that rate is, then you're going to see them all leaving the market and you'll end up with single payer, which I know you don't want. Uh, okay, then, you might want to take a look at the that, Japanese health care system. Where the Japanese healthcare system, where uh, the government set the prices on everything right down to the cost of a of a you know a ton depressor, and it worked for a while, but right now they are in disaster shape. They're worse off than almost any country in the world, and that was when you did have the government setting all those prices. Uh, you know what what I find fascinating about the MacArthur Amendment is it really is a complete chickening out. If you look at what they maintain from the uh, from the health care bill or, or law, they maintain all the important stuff. There's not much of a change. But then they say to the states, but you know what? If you want to change it, with some exceptions, go ahead and change it. Well, what's wrong uh, with that, that, number one? And number what, two, every Republican bill had that. But i got to let you both go, even though I'm only I'm really glad to get rid of one of you. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, for being Jonathan, on the show. He doesn't mean that. He, want, he doesn't want to get rid of you. No, oh, ouch. All right. Thank you both, Rick Unger and Jonathan Gillum. 800-941-SEAN from Tel Aviv. We're in Israel. When we come back, same phone number as usual, even though we are out of the country. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we'll hit the phones next as we continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Very bizarre, because it's like we are doing a nighttime show here, because we are, because it's early in the morning. But uh, what are you going to do? Anyway, we're in Tel Aviv, we're in Israel, and uh, our number remains the same. Uh, So don't, if you ever go on a plane and Linda comes with you, I sat next to sweet baby James. Now, you got to put up with some things with him, because he snores. 
But with Linda, the only thing, she meets this woman, a total stranger, on El Al. And we're sitting in, and she's sitting in her seat for the next five hours. Yakety, 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 yak. What? How long was the flight? It was an 11 hour flight. So I talked to her. I talked to her. When we sat down. And you never stopped. Her name was Livian. I loved her. Loved she was amazing. Her. Amazing. We're going to be, she called me a mensch. I took that as a yenta. I learned how to say mamish. I learned how to say Baruch Hashem. I learned how to say Tov. I learned how to say all kinds of fun things. I even learned how to curse at you in Hebrew. Oh, great. It's important information. Yeah, but I just don't understand. You t- uh, so I got Why don't a- we talk about what you did on the plane? I slept. Because you had extreme decorum as per usual. What, oh, you're talking about when I threw the bread. You so, said you wanted a piece of bread, so I no, gave it no, to you. No, 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 no. It was a long distance no, no, across no, the aisle. No, 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 what? no, no, no. Let's not get it twisted. What happened was... Twisted. I'm telling the truth. What happened was someone decided that they were bored um, because they weren't a part of my conversation. And so they decided that it would be fun to throw things at me from across the aisle from in first class. Across the aisle in first class. And, and as we got a little basket of warm bread and right. this beautiful, like. By the way, you didn't give me credit because I, I did, wasn't done yet. Wait a minute, hang on. I didn't put you back in steerage. I paid for your upgrade to first steerage? class. Steerage? Did you just compare me to steerage? What's <laughs> yeah. wrong with you? Well, they have first class, business Should class. Should I blame this on jet lag? This, this, this no. adjective you've applied to me? Well, it's you know that's what they used to call it down in the Titanic you need to in the start movie steerage. No, you can't compare women to steerage Excuse ever. me, I forced you to have a drink on the plane, hoping first that it may all, knock you out. First of all, I, I wanted to drink with yakety, dinner like yakety, a normal yak. person. All right, so we get on the plane, and you are sitting there yakking. I get up. I woke up in the, because I had to go to the <laughs> bathroom, and I asked the guy, I said, well, how much time left in the flight? He goes, five hours, and you're still yakking. Well, it's listen, six hours in. Listen, she was a beautiful woman with a beautiful oh life. God. She had a lot to share, and I was Apparently. eager to hear. Listen, that's going to be me in 40 years. I, If I could be half the woman she is, I would be honored. She was such a dream. There's not a person on this earth I want to spend. There's not a person on this earth on a plane that I want to talk to for six hours. I want, You know what I want to do on a plane? Sleep, which is what I tried you to do. You don't want to do anything. Except for all your yakking. Listen, you talk for four hours a day. I don't want to hear about you not wanting to talk. And not for nothing, you throwing that's things the point. like I'm a done. football on your TV show. You threw socks at me. I you did. Th- you, threw, um, I did. you threw bread at me. You threw crackers at me. <laughs> I didn't throw you crackers. You came over and took things off of my plate when I was eating and then left the remnants that you didn't want to eat any more of. I didn't like the food on but the plane. But this is my plate. All right, what did you eat? I ate olives and hummus, like a normal person. Okay, and you know what I don't like? Olive and hummus. Yeah, but you knew you didn't like it, and you took it anyway. <sighs> In any event, so this is the funny part, guys. So Sean takes this bread, and he throws it. He's trying to throw it at me. But uh, someone was a little tired, and his aim wasn't so good. So he hits the guy behind me, <laughs> a complete hit, stranger. I did not hit the guy. In the head hit the, with a loaf of bread. I did not hit him with a loaf I of bread. I literally took my shirt, can you, can you, and I wrapped it over my head. I was like, oh, my can, God. Can you just build this where's into the, a bigger the, tail where ever? Where is the federal air marshal? He's it was coming a, in, he said. It was a little roll, and <laughs> I threw Masad? it. Where's and the it IDF? Hit, it hit the top of your chair, and it just fell backwards. It no, didn't it hit the guy. It did so. So it did so. Oh my God. How would you know? You were yakking away because the I whole time. Around. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so oh, sorry. He's like, God. ah, it's just bread. It's soft. It's totally fine. Hysterical. All right. Let's get to our busy telephones as we say hi to Kate is in Houston, Texas. Kate, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Okay. First of all, I have to tell you guys, I love listening to you guys talk back and forth. 
Don't I mean, ever go on a plane with friends. her. I'm telling you, she never no. stops yakety, 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 six hours in. Friends. We would be sisters because I'm the same person. I get on that plane. My husband's just next to me. He doesn't throw bread at perfect strangers who are now going to probably write about that. I did not throw. Don't saying, believe that. I did out. not throw but bread at a perfect stranger. I, She's lying. I would, I would talk. We would sit there, and I walk away like knowing that person's life, knowing how many kids they have, knowing about their struggles, their triumphs. Linda, you and I, we'd be sisters, okay? It would be a fun, fun. Right, can I just you're say all, something? You're all right in my book. Let's book our next flight right, together. The, the first thing I do I is know, put somebody... I, I put people that I know next to me for the very reason to avoid the situation where maybe it's somebody I don't like with bad breath and body odor sitting First next of all, to me. I would have never talked to you if you were sitting next to me because I already know your whole story. I already know what you're saying because I talk to you every day for hours a day. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, you, 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 two, you are sisters, you two. I, this is like a conspiracy. Gang up on Hannity. doesn't matter that I'm literally oh. giddy after flying all last night. I've been up 24 <laughs> hours, but this time of day. But you know, who knows? Who cares? All right. Oh, thank you, Kate. Okay. So here's the thing. I do want to yeah. say this, that I do love that I'm sitting in Houston and that you're in Israel, one of my favorite, favorite places on this earth. And I love that you are there. I love that you're talking to Dee. I love that you talked to him a couple of months ago, and I wanted to write in and tell you that I'm just so appreciative for the relationship that you have and how much time you spend with him, how much air time you give him, because he is one of the most precious people on earth. I love him. And one of the huge reasons why I voted for President Trump was because of his relationship with Stephen Netanyahu. I knew that we would have an unprecedented relationship with Israel as a result of him being able to be in office. So I just love that you're there. I want to say thank you for going on an 11-hour trip with one of my best friends, Linda, so that you can talk to him and give us great insight from him. So, wow. I'm, I, you know, I, I just love that everyone takes Linda's side. And meanwhile, I, I told the truth and I never threw a loaf of bread. There was threw, no you, loaf of bread on the plane. There's no loaf of bread. There's no loaf of bread on the plane. There's a little baby roll. It's a baby roll. That's a, the little really? roll. It's, a yeah, it's, so like, it's, it's okay the size of a ba- bagel. So throw baby rolls but not loaves of bread. Is that the rule? Okay. I was throwing it oh, towards you're you. So, you're because, so no, because right you, Because you wanted to eat it. And I said, sure, you can have mine. And I, I just. Never said so say that. Oh, stop him. lying. You're you know absolutely what? lying. We should send Kate in Houston a Trump pen. She deserves it. All right. Stay on the line, Kate in Houston. We'll send you a Trump pen. All right. We got a liberal Eddie in Stafford, Virginia. I remember Eddie. Where you been, Eddie? What's going on? Hey, Sean. How you doing? Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, look, I got good news for you, man. You know, I didn't vote for Trump, but I'm kind of liking him now, man. Are oh, you, so you, you can just say it. Hannity's right. Hannity's right again. I say you're right, but I, I, I'm kind of liking him, you know, because you know he hadn't been able to do away with Obamacare. I like that, you know, and he hasn't done. Excuse anything me, do you not been listening yet. to the program today? We we just announced that the Freedom Caucus has made an agreement and they got a health care bill and they'll vote on it next week. Well, I mean, so far. Yeah, well, okay, listen. I went through the list of accomplishments. He's he's doing everything within his own power. Congress is pathetically slow. And lacking urgency, but even with that said, I'm telling you, I like him. So you should give me some credit. All right, it means you finally woke up, and and maybe there's some hope for you. I don't know what else to tell you. With the Iran deal, so I like that. I mean, what do you want me to kiss your ass that you got it right for once? I mean, what is that all about? No, no. Okay, you voted for Obama twice. You voted for Hillary. You're not exactly helpful for making America great again. You're, you know, if you want to jump on the train late, all right, fine, but stop bragging about it. Well, no, I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying, you know, you are so bragging about it. And, and, 
you might not end up liking him. I'm just telling you now, on, on April 20th, uh, you might not end up right. liking the guy, but I think he's changing. We'll see. All right, Joe in Chicago on The Answer. What's up, Joe? How are you? Welcome to Tel Aviv in Israel. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. In regards yes, to your show yesterday, one thing I would love to bring up is for three years we waited to see for, see a birth certificate from President Obama. Just something we, we asked for because legally it should be proven. Not, not to be a birther, but legally it should be proven. I don't want to see Trump's tax returns for three years. I want the other side to empathize with us and deal with the same kind of crap that we dealt with for all that time. We can be selective about, you know, what we decide, well, what our president decides to show. Uh, college transcripts also come I'll be, I'll, well. I'll be I honest. I don't, I don't care about Donald Trump's tax returns. I don't care. And, you know, I don't either. He, he, he's one of the few people that have ever been honest and said, I try to pay as little as possible. Now, I try to pay as little as possible without taking risks, as I know that we've now criminalized political differences. And because I'm a political commentator, there are people that would like to handcuff me, perp walk me, mug shoot me and put me in jail and throw away the key. So I've always told my accountant to pay the pay the tax, pay it. And I pay a ridiculously high sum uh, for that reason. And I'm still getting audited at times. It's ridiculous. I don't care about his tax returns. You know, Rachel Mount, I found it, his tax return. He paid $38 million for one year, which is more than Obama's paid cumulatively by like three times his entire life. And he didn't deduct his old underwear like Bill Clinton. Look, I, I, the, to me, it's just a non-issue. But you know what? There is a question about the IRS being used as a weapon against conservatives over and over again. And I knew every year during the Obama presidency that my taxes were being scrutinized at a very high level. So I just I, I didn't feel like putting my family through the anxiety and worry and concern of, uh oh, did daddy cheat on his taxes? We'll put him in jail. So I just I just pay it and I still pay it. And uh, I don't mind paying taxes. I just want to pay my fair share. And even then you get harassed by people. I, well, we need the documentation for this. Like, all right, now i got to spend $50 million finding the documentation, which existed 50 in 50,000 duplicates, but it's still not enough. Anyway, I appreciate it. Danny is in uh, Montana. Danny, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the air. Well, I think I want to go on a flight Linda, too, though. Oh, good like well, is, this like a, is this like a girl thing? Girls like to <laughs> yak for six hours straight and not shush? Oh, I'm probably the one who would be leaning on your shoulder, drooling all over you. So maybe you should just stick with Linda. She might be better. <laughs> anyway, I have I sat to next to people on planes, seriously. They don't <laughs> use deodorant. I've sat next to people that don't shower, and they're, they're disgustingly dirty. They oh, yeah. have bad breath, and they try to talk to you. For the entire trip, it drives me insane. It's got to be I hard just... being Sean Hannity. <laughs> well, no, no, and, and Sean Hannity, you know so Sean how Hannity. how come you didn't throw anything at those people? Because I, I don't have any of those problems, and you still threw stuff at me. I didn't throw anything at you. I was passing over to you a roll, not a loaf of bread. From, from across the there's, there's no such airline in the history of mankind that I'm gives never, out loaves I'm of bread. I'm never going to let you live it down, too, because I have so many witnesses, oh, it's including so, yeah. sweet baby James, who was caught in the crossfire. James just said, no, that's not true. He said, I was passing a roll to you. He has to. He's related to you. Oh, okay. He gets special treatment. All right. Go ahead, Danny. All right, so I want to touch on this Ann Coulter at Berkeley deal. 
doesn't seem to be, ha- you know, every other person in the world can have an opinion, in- unless you, of course, are a conservative. And, uh, so I know true. That, and I know that my buddy here in Missoula was beat up for wearing a Trump hat a few months back right after the election. We were downtown at a local bar. He's wearing a hat. Next thing you know, he's getting jumped by three people, and none of them get charges or, you know, nothing. Nothing done. Listen, it's bizarre. they be held accountable. You know, look, I'm 99% of people that I meet, and I'm not a big goer-outer person. I'm a loner, and I, I, I go out occasionally to, to the usually the same restaurants day in and day out if I'm eating. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, I go to this restaurant. I go to that restaurant. There's like three places I go. And, and, and 99% of people are nice. But you always get that 1% that thinks that they have the right to come in my grill and stick their finger in my face, and the first thing I'll say is I'm going to break it if you don't get it out of my face, and the second thing is, or curse me out in front of my kids. It's unbelievable that people feel that they have the right to do that. Now, I don't do that to liberals. I, you know, I usually go up, I say anything, it's usually funny or hi or how are you, and I'm polite and I'm not rude. But liberals are, by and large. I find conservatives are nicer people, generally speaking. All right, you and I'll tell you yeah, what, I'll put you on hold. You and you and Linda, you make plans to go on a 12-hour tour together and you guys can yak it up for the 12 hours, okay? And and I'll send some bread along for the trip. Deal. <laughs> Thanks for All having right. me on. You guys are awesome. Bye. All right, thank you, Danny. Appreciate it. The information you need, the truth you demand. This is the Sean Hannity show. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easier to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes, and then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's HenryUSA.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they have supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Now, Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. Now, he was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Now, Tunnel to Towers paid for Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, and that removed that financial burden from him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his very specific needs and injuries. And Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. They can only do it with your generosity. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity. Go to their website, commit to $11 a month, Go to the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. 
Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.